Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Mac Gamecast, a podcast where we will be talking about all things Mac gaming and related. I'm John, and with me is Casper, all the way from Denmark. Hi, Casper. Hey there. And Sam, how's it going? Also joining us. Oh, it's going really well. Fantastic. Thank you guys for being here. So, um... Yeah, basically, uh, starting a new Mac Gaming podcast here. Quick shout out to an old one, which actually ran for 30-odd episodes. Um, but I honestly, I didn't promote it much. That's going to change. This one will be on like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that fun stuff. But we're here to be fun and informative, chat about some news if there's anything, um, you know, games, hardware updates. We will often chat about maybe some recent gamer games we've been playing and whether we like them or not. And then we intend to always cover some sort of main topic. Today, for example, we will be uh, starting to talk about the current state of Mac gaming, which is ultimately a very broad discussion, but we'll get to that later. Um, honestly, in the news, there's not too much for this segment, if any. Um, and really, I do mainly intend to focus on Mac stuff, not so much iOS or iPad or anything, unless it's something really interesting or I don't know, you can, you know, use an iPad to mirror your screen or, I don't know, I guess maybe when M1s are everywhere or M whatever, M1X, M2, you know, um, and there's certain games you can play on your Mac that might be worth mentioning. I mean, I got a, I got an official email from, what is it, CD Projekt? And they're like, Gwent is now on the Mac. You know, this was a month or two back. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then it was just like, oh, but it's really just the iOS version you can play on your M1 machine. I'm like, that's not really. It's kind of on the Mac, but it's not on my Intel Mac. So anyway, we're in this weird space. But um, any news for you gents of interest or not much on your radars? Um, well, there isn't particularly much. Um, the only thing I know of is a game called Raptor Boyfriend releasing tomorrow. That's only it's, it's a sort of low-key indie title uh, of some sort. Uh, they've only the developers have only done one thing before, uh, game-wise at least, uh, order pizza. But they've done uh, other fun stuff too, like podcast and stuff. But um, tabletop. Uh, but that's all I really know that's coming out. But fun thing you say that about the uh, iOS games coming to the Mac because uh, the Apple Arcade, uh, Apple's own service thing, uh, basically a lot of the games there that you can play on the Mac are also just essentially iOS games on the Mac. Yeah. I have a I have a bit of a bone to pick with that, but I'm not going to do it right now. Um, yeah. There's there's actually a main topic I'd like to discuss, not today, but another time. Is like, what kind of gamer are you? In gamer identities, essentially, you know, like oh, Mac yeah. gamer, PC gamer, mobile gamer, console gamer, or a hybrid or whatever. That's can be kind of fun to poke into. Um, yeah. Or even yeah. casual gamer or hardcore gamer or whatever sort of tag you might you might want to use. Uh, that could be some interesting stuff. But that's not our focus today. Sam, anything from you on the news front or nothing on the radar? Uh, Games-wise, nothing on the radar. Hardware-wise, I am eagerly hoping that the M1X or M2 or whatever comes out soon. I sold my 16-inch MacBook Pro. Okay, okay. Or WWC, waiting for, <laughs> for a new one. And then, so I'm just using some horrific old Dell currently while I'm uh, waiting to pre-order whatever the new MacBook Yeah, is. it's interesting. Um, I had an M1 MacBook Air, just the base model, um, not the upgraded core, not upgraded RAM. So the seven core GPU, eight GB RAM. Um, and I'm, I'm very impressed by the machines. Like, and this is something we'll get into a bit more with our main topic but basically if you like if you don't if you're just curious about the m1 machines and you haven't bothered really looking into it they're very impressive for what it is um are they amazing gaming machines no but are they amazing entry-level gaming machines yes um so that's very interesting but yeah i actually sold that laptop to my brother who was in need of a laptop and i wasn't so much and same thing this was before ww DC and I was like surely they'll announce a new one and I'll just buy it and all will be well and of course they didn't so now I'm waiting hopefully till the fall where where they will announce those um so that was a little funny yeah so not much on the news but if there is news of node or games of node or hardware or anything like that OS updates whatever we'll cover those in this kind of segment um so it seems like we can oh of course uh games we've been playing lately I don't want to uh hog the airtime 
because I'm prone to doing that. So Casper, is there anything interesting you've been playing lately that you would like to talk about? Well, uh, on the Mac side of things, uh, within macOS, I mean, um, everything I do is on the Mac. Uh, I've uh, mostly just been doing uh, the odd bit of XCOM. Um, though I've played XCOM way too much already. It's a game I often find myself coming back to because it's so easy to you know, just pick up and, and play a bit of and put down again. Um, but in terms of more sit-down sessions where it's not just, uh, ah, I'll take an hour or something, uh, I've played uh, a lot of The Outer Worlds, uh, an RPG game, uh, but that's through Boot Camp. It doesn't have a, a macOS version. Right, yeah, I've been actually... Outer Worlds has been on my wish list for a while, but uh, as far as XCOM goes, are you talking about XCOM original, XCOM 2? Uh, what do you... What do you yeah, I've played you? both of them loads, but uh, specifically XCOM 2 uh, for this. I've been doing the uh, Long War 2 mod. Ooh, okay. Um, the uh, sort of officially sanctioned uh, huge overhaul mod. Nice. Uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Eve, out of Germany. It's a lovely lady. She is an absolute fanatic about Long War, going back XCOM 1. We had long discussions on Skype about XCOM and Long War and XCOM 2, and even, um, what, Phoenix Point, the sort of XCOM-like game that came out, I don't know, some several months ago. But yeah, XCOM 2 is amazing. Um, I'm a huge fan. I did a review of the original game and the expansion, War of the Chosen. Um it's really good. Really good stuff. And with all the DLC and all the stuff, I'm too um, diverted, not divert, but um, talk about this a little bit. I'm I, What I really like about both XCOM 1 and XCOM 2 in terms of their expansions is they don't, they aren't like separate expansions where you load into like a new map or a new story. It, it just integrates all this expansion stuff into the very game itself. So you just start a new game as usual. But suddenly there's new things and like new weapons and new factions or new enemies or new bits of story and or some new mechanics. And I was I really that was the first time I encountered an expansion that really just wholly integrated into the core game itself without being like, click here to load into the expansion and experience a new story and blah, 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 or whatever, like so many other games are. I mean, if you've played the Civilization games, I feel like their expansion packs do much the same thing. with the way they. That's true. I never got into Civ. I mean, the last time I actually played it was probably when Aspire sent me a Civ Five code, like, <laughs> eight years ago. <laughs> and I tried to play it, and it was like, eh, I, I pawned it off onto a different writer at the time. I forget who. I had, I had some uh, volunteers and friends helping out. Um, I, I could. It's weird, because I love strategy. Like, I'm a huge RTS fan, and even turn-based strategy fan, depending. But something about Civilization I could just never get into. I tried... I mean, I remember trying demos of Civ 1, 2, and 3, 4, 5 was cool, 6, I don't, I think I might have installed. I can't remember the name of the space one they did. That one grabbed me the most for the theme. Beyond I really like space. Beyond Earth. Beyond, Earth. Beyond Earth, thank you. Yeah. Um, I thought Beyond Earth was cool, but I don't think a lot of other people did. <laughs> I don't think it was well received by the Civ community. I mean. I think the people who were really into Civ probably perhaps didn't like it as much as the main series um, because it took away the historical uh, aspect of it. Um, that's fair. That's fair. That's but, a good one. I, I enjoyed it as well and played it a lot with my brother. Um, right. Hours that. Nice. Uh, Sam, how about you? Anything fun for um, you lately? So, well, I don't have a Mac currently because I'm waiting for those M, that M2, but what I was playing was a lot of Hades and uh, Disco, Disco Elysium. Oh my god, yes. Those are both amazing games. Yeah, Hades, I... Oh, well, it's pretty... I think knows it's a great game. I can't speak highly enough about it, so I'll, I'll split my time between the Switch version and the Mac version, and it's cross... Nice. Save, That's really, really nice. cool. That's really cool. Um... And then, sort of in the more hardcore, so to speak, gaming, a lot of uh, Valorant and Destiny 2. Right, yeah. Destiny 2, I spent a lot of time at Destiny 2 at one point. Um, mostly streaming, actually, through GeForce Now, which is something I'd like, topic of streaming services in general. would be a fun main topic someday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Disco Elysium, also something I've played several hours of, but not completed, but totally blown away by... I've only played the updated version, um, the one with all the extra voice acting. I forget the name of the specific update. They called it like not Psycho Update. They 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 give it some odd name. Um, the Final Cut. There you are. The Final Cut. 
but they had like some subheading. Anyway, yeah, the Final Cut is the only version I've played. I was aware of the game before, but never never bothered. In fact, I bought it on an Epic sale with a coupon, so I got it for like $10 or something. Um, yay, Epic. <laughs> and then I just waited, and it turned. then I saw, and when I thought about playing it, when I saw the, you know, the news, like, oh, Final Cut coming, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just wait then. Why, why play it now? Um, very impressive game. It does, does something... I can see why it won awards because it does things no other game that I know of has really done, at least yeah, in the it's RPG very, space. Very unique, uh, yeah. in a good way. Like, yeah, I've never it's heard anything else like. Yeah, it's almost hard to call it a game because it feels like some sort of weird life sim detective oddball simulator or something, rather than a game. Game, if that makes. If you play the game, you'd know what I mean. I think. But just to try and describe it that way is difficult. Um, but it's brilliant, though. It's really brilliant. I haven't played it, but it sounds super appealing to me. <laughs> well, if you like, it's very narrative heavy. I mean, you can click by the text, but you really need to like read it or listen to it. So, if you know, obviously, there are plenty of gamers who do like narrative, plenty who don't. So, if you do like narrative, I think that's almost a like mandatory requirement to like this game. Although, I guess you might say maybe this is a game that could get you to like narrative games if you didn't like other ones because it's so uniquely presented and so just ridiculously like i want to say organic Mm -hmm. because a lot of the narration is coming from things like thoughts and impulses and character traits and all this very interesting stuff um which you're largely in charge of you can you know really choose you can choose your starting character type like i think there's the thinker uh the feeler and I forget what the brood or something. I'm, that's not quite the word they use. Um, but like, if you're the thinker guy, you can see the world in a really abstract way. You can visualize, you know, parts of crime scenes or things that happened. Or you have this trait called encyclopedia, which narrates practically everything in the game everywhere, which is hilarious. So if you really want extra, basically flavor text and thoughts, get that encyclopedia trait. Um, or there's like the more emotive guy who's more empathetic and sensitive and can tell what's going on with people and get reads on the room and situations. And of course, the more brawny physical guy who can whatever, break open locks and doors or punch people in the face or whatever. Um, yeah, interesting game. Disco Elysium. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't. Uh, I know it won a lot of awards, but I still think it also flew under the radar in some cases, even though plenty of sites were gushing about it, PC Gamer and whatever other places. Um, I never really heard, of course, the Mac space is smaller, obviously, but I believe it's also on Linux, so I'm not sure, I don't think it flew under the radar in the PC community, but I wonder if it didn't like the Mac and Linux community. I saw it on the front page of the App Store, at least, so Apple is promoting it. Okay, that's true. Right, um, well, this is a perfect segue into current state of Mac gaming, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they put out a native M1 version of Disco Elysium on the App Store, but only the App Store, and not, I think, like Steam and Epic, which is weird, but I'm pretty sure that's true, unless I'm crazy. Now, I've heard people say that as well, so you're definitely... Uh... Yeah, and so, which is which is odd, because we have this, of course, uh, like platforms is another great main topic one day, but we'll, you know, Steam and Epic and App Store and Galaxy and blah, 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 but... um. Yeah, what's weird is it doesn't tell you. I don't think it has an M1 version, although I'm not, I don't use the App Store much, so maybe I'm wrong there. Um, Yeah, so then you don't really know. It's like, well, how do I know? Well, the only way you know is if you were to have downloaded and played it otherwise, like logged or noticed the performance, then downloaded the App Store version and go, oh, hey, this is running better. But without an FPS counter on, you may not even notice. It may just just run and you may not know um so that's an odd sort of thing but yeah current state of mac gaming um this is a really big umbrella topic honestly and we could probably all talk about it all day but we're trying to limit this podcast to 30 45 minutes or so on average um but what's fascinating is current state of mac gaming of course isn't just oh you know well how did we get here right there's always a bit of the past or a lot of the past a lot of the now, and then we'll have some thoughts towards the future. So um, I know before this, we were talking about in the chat a bit about uh, some stuff back to the 90s, or you're wondering, I think, how far back our Mac experience had gone. 
And it seems like between the three of us, um, we have quite a bit of it, you know, going back in the day, growing up with uh, PowerPC or maybe even pre-PowerPC. Um, starting yeah. with, yeah, Casper, like, how did you how did you get here, basically, <laughs> with the Mac? Um, so I, I sort of got into it through a friend um, because... I didn't personally have a Mac until the 2011 uh, 15 inch. Right. Actually, uh, but but I've worked on Macs going back to some early PowerPC. I think a G3 uh, at a friend's place, um, and got interested in Macs that way. Um, and since then, I've acquired old Macs, and I have a G4 iMac, a G3 iMac, some iBooks, and all sorts of things in the closet that I tinker with and play nice. around with. Um, but my first Mac was was 2011, uh, and then I've had some new ones since uh, laptops and iMacs mostly. Awesome. How about you, Sam? How'd you get on the Mac train? Yeah, so I grew up in a uh, very Mac family. Um, my my dad was under the impression that Macs are the superior computing platform. So from a very young <laughs> age, that was what I was taught. Um, so we always had. Um, well, not necessarily the latest and greatest Mac, but we always had a pretty decent one. So the first one I really remember spending a lot of time with would have been like the G4 Cubes. Um, nice. I remember previous to that some G3s and stuff, but I was a bit too young to really have real memories of those. So and like then, the toaster cubes? Oh, yeah, yeah. The toaster? That's, what all I, that's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, so playing, um, I think the original Deus Ex. Um, yeah, 1999. Age of Empires 2, Age of Mythology. Nice. Good stuff. I think Halo Combat Evolved didn't run super well on the cube, and then we were super excited to get the Power Mac G5 later on. Right. Which, which ran it really well. Um, and that game sort of... I spent so many years playing Halo on Mac. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that, because I have... Um, I think I'm a bit older than you two. I'm 35. Um and I recall, I don't remember the name. I remember being like five years old and we had a PC of some kind. I don't know what, because we were, you know, my, I have two older brothers and they were installing, you know, like Doom and Wolfenstein. I remember there was this kid in the community. He was like the tech nerd guy and he had like bootleg copies of Doom and Wolfenstein. He would like shadily hand out to all the kids, you know, because they're violent games or whatever and didn't want the parents to know. Um <laughs> so I remember briefly playing something on a PC, but then I remember my father went out somewhere. Maybe it was like not Staples, might have been even like a Sears or something. And I remember he bought a Mac. I came home in this giant box, and I was like, "Whoa, Mac, cool!" And I don't remember exactly the first game I played on it. it might have been like Spectre VR, something really, really old. But I recall being really good. Um, but yeah, when you mentioned uh, Deus Ex, Halo, uh, to throw a little throwback. History, there was a great magazine called Mac Addict, which then later turned into Mac Life, which now doesn't even seem to have a website, sad face, but they seem to still have a magazine. Anyway, back when they were Mac Addict, they were way more fun. They had this little mascot, I think, called... was his name? No, his name was Max. And he, he was, like, drawn, this animated stick figure drawn all over the magazine. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, but what they would do is, with the monthly issues, they would send out CDs, which had all kinds of stuff, but they always had game demos on them. And that was how, at the time, I got exposure to lots of games because i don't know we had crummy dial-up internet at best and wasn't like running around downloading stuff very rarely so mostly you came in the mail and hooray and you pull up it and i'm pretty sure deus ex was on one of those discs including stuff like rainbow six siege and civilization demos i referenced earlier and stuff like that um and my older brother gifted I remember he asking me i'm getting a little rambly here sorry i'll wrap this up um but deus ex has a special place in my heart I played the heck out of the demo, and I was also playing Rainbow Six Siege a lot. Not Rainbow Six Siege, sorry, lol. That's the new version. It was just Rainbow Six something or the other, one of the really old ones. And he asked me, like, oh, which one do you like better? I'm like, oh, they're both really good, but Deus Ex is better. And then my birthday was soon, and then he got it for me for my birthday, and I played it a zillion times. Um, Halo, Halo on Mac, also a big deal. I remember playing it, I think, on a, a G3 or G4 laptop, and it was really low-end, probably so G3 something. And I had to have run the graphics on, you know, ultra low and whatever. And then I got a later computer 
of some kind, my memory's failing me what, but I was able to turn the graphics up and use like a better rendering mode and suddenly like, oh my god, the plasma grenades have like glowy effects in them now and like the alien bolts look cool and there's like lighting on the walls and <laughs> it almost looked like a brand new game. So that was uh, that was really fun. But yeah, uh, also, yeah. I'm sorry. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's also interesting with Bungie as a whole and the Halo series and all that because Bungie used to be one of the premier Mac developers uh, before Microsoft uh, got involved and bought them. And I think the first introduction to Halo Combat Evolved was actually at WWDC. Um, at least there was a, a, an event where Steve Jobs showed it off uh, at WW or something like that. Yeah. It may not have been the first time, but it was at least shown off. Yeah, purportedly, um, I this is what I heard, this is what I recall reading in one of these Mac Attic magazines later. Um, supposedly Steve Jobs is really angry that Microsoft bought Bungie and even called up Bill Gates and like shouted at him or something um, for that because he was like ticked off. <laughs> That's around, yeah. yeah. You can watch the, uh, I've seen the footage of that with the Mac, it was at Macworld I think in 99 oh, or something. And Halo was like, I think at the time it was an RTS and they had it was, uh, it was an it? RPS or a third person shooter or something. It wasn't like the FPS version anyway. Yeah, and they had what's what's his name? Jason, is it Jones? Or one of the uh, top guys at Bungie? Yeah, yeah, I believe um, so. He was on stage with Steve Jobs demoing Halo. Right. For the first time. Yeah, they had just come off the back of making all the Myth games, super popular Myth One, Fallen Lords, and Myth Two Soul Blader. So, going into like sci-fi RTS, probably um, sort of a natural transition for them. Um, yeah, um, who is it? I think Maxoff ported the original Halo, if I'm not mistaken. And of course, Gearbox did the PC port. So we have some interesting references here. Uh, I'm going to start with, excuse me, um, we're here. Uh, let's let's talk about history a bit. Uh, perhaps starting with Casper, who has some, I think, more techie knowledge than at least me. Maybe not Sam. I don't want to make assumptions. Um, but th this isn't, you know, right now we're in the midst of the Apple Silicon transition, aka M1. Future chips will be M1X or M2, whatever. Who knows? Um, but this isn't the first time the Mac has undergone an architecture change, you know, which affected software and games and so on and so forth. So um, why don't you talk about that from your perspective or your thoughts? You know, Apple and Mac has survived and thrived in architecture change before long ago, but we have a new one facing us now. So what do you think about all that? Okay, yeah. So to, to give a bit of um, background on what he means when he says that I might have some technical knowledge. I'm a software developer, a computer science student. So the, the Mac has undergone transitions like this in the past with the move from the 68K processors to PowerPC and then to Intel. And now we're moving to an ARM-based platform, Apple's own chips. Um, and there are significant differences uh, in terms of the way the chips handle instructions and what kind of instructions you can run on them, um, which essentially is a difference in the machine code they execute. Um, but some people might think that that would indicate uh, it being harder to port games from PCs, which traditionally run x86 chips, Intel and AMD mostly, uh, and port those games to a whole other CPU architecture, which understands different instructions. Um, and it, it, back in the old days where a lot of games were written in assembly, which is essentially those CPU instructions written in a human language, but then, the, but then that each line of that directly correlates to a machine instruction. Uh, a lot of programs these days are written in higher level languages where a lot of that CPU instruction level detail is abstracted away. Um, so while the CPU architecture does matter and there are implications there, it's less big of a deal uh, when porting stuff than the rest of the software stack that you interact with. So it's not going to actually have that big an influence on the difficulty of developing games as a lot of other things you, you'd have to consider anyway when you port uh, a game. Um, so really, I think the importance of Apple Silicon in terms of performance and efficiency benefits far outweighs potential for uh, difficulty in porting games. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. 
That's good stuff. Uh, Sam, what are you what are you feeling about this right now? Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited for that transition. Um, I think it's interesting how how much of a technical team we have. So Casper said you're you're working in software. I work in IT, and I spend a lot of my day optimizing hardware configs on servers or or workstations. So the Apple Silicon chips really impressive and like one just minor anecdote that sort of is getting me excited for them when playing disco elysium on my fairly highly specced 16 inch macbook pro disco elysium is not a super intensive game my fans are humming away my laptop's getting hot on my lap my battery life is getting crushed a lot of those things will be essentially fixed with apple silicon um Maybe not quite as much high-end power as the 16-inch MacBook Pro, but just a more enjoyable experience. Um, and I, I know I, with the x86 conversation, I know a lot of folks. I, I'm on the Inside Mac Games forum. A lot of folks are a little bit disappointed with Apple moving away from it, particularly from a Windows sort of compatibility standpoint. But Macs have always needed their own graphics API for a port. So it's been OpenGL or more recently Metal, whereas Windows games, 99.9% .9 of them use DirectX. So you're, you already have to port from DirectX to whatever API the Mac is using. Um, so that porting, it's not like that wasn't a thing when Macs were on x86. Now, um, I like that Mac is becoming or almost the same platform. Like basically just Apple is becoming a platform. Yeah. By that I mean you have you have your Macs, you have your iPads, you have your iPhones, um, Apple TVs, I suppose as well. So developers that are coding games and port, maybe porting them, they can look instead of maybe as at an iPad port and a Mac port, they can do one port, maybe tweak the UI a little bit to be a little more tailored towards either Mac or iPad. Um, but now they're going to access to millions and millions of more um, end users, which they can sell their games to. Yeah, I'm finding that very interesting. Um because not to get too far into the like what kind of gamer I am, but very briefly is like I wouldn't touch an iOS game with a 10 foot pole. They're just not for me. I don't judge anyone who does, but I just like I don't care about them at all. But what I find neat is they've been porting quote unquote higher level games or let's just say to use like a board game term heavier games. There's like light, medium, heavy designations usually. So something like um, XCOM 2, XCOM or XCOM 2, or Divinity Original Sin 2, these would be heavy games in, in video game terms. Um, and, but they've made iPad versions for all of these. And now the higher-end iPads have an M1 chip in them. So it's like, oh, what you just said, a developer could look at, you know, Mac or Apple as a platform more as a whole rather than maybe, a, you know, oh, just Macs or, or this is just a mobile game. Um, of course, I don't think that'll trickle down all the way. Like, are you really going to play Divinity Original Sin 2 on your iPhone? I don't think so. Also, it's way too small. Like, what are you thinking? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I but think I, that's I, actually I, the primary yeah. concern. Uh, no? The, okay. The, the size and, and the input methods, more so than the power in a lot of cases. Um, because you also don't need to push as many pixels necessarily to have a satisfiable experience or high fidelity graphics on a smaller screen. Right. But the input method and the viewing experience and the, the, just the experience of playing on a small touchscreen device is very different. And I think that's that's more of a limiting factor in the kind of games you play on the device than power or anything else. Right, that makes sense. Um, I am a fan of that though. It's We're in this odd space where to talk, let's talk about porting a little bit more. Um, you know, for a long time we've had well, of course, way back in the day, we had MacSoft, and I think there was another Mac, not MacWorks. There was somebody else, a couple of people who have gone the way of the Dodo. And for quite a long time, since maybe 2004, 2005 or so, we've had Aspire Media, Feral Interactive, virtual programming, kind of a distant third, um, but they were still around. And uh, But these days, you're kind of like, skies are kind of ghosts other than Feral, who, well, who put out, what was it? Uh, Total War Troy last year, I think middle of last year or something, and that was it. For Mac stuff, they've, you know, Aspire and Feral have been doing like iOS and Android stuff lately. I can't blame them, it's a big market, but as a non-mobile gamer in a Mac or PC gamer, um, you know, I would prefer they, they do that. But we're also in a weird time where COVID was a thing and still is for a long time. Um, we had 
not only architecture change, um, which has, I think, a lot of pros, as you guys have been talking about, like performance improvements and the porting has had to go on anyway and uh, translating from DirectX to whatever it was, OpenGL or Metal. Um, but we had the 32-bit to 64-bit change too fairly recently, or as I like to refer it as the 32-bit apocalypse. Um, <laughs> you know, because we lost a lot of good games that were otherwise or would otherwise still be available on the Mac. Now, do I think Apple shouldn't have done that? No, I think it's the right call. It's just too bad that certain developers either couldn't or wouldn't update their games to be 64-bit. Um, I remember specifically, I think it was, uh, what, Catalina um, that required it. So I was still on, I guess, what is it? Mojave? Mojave. Hi, yeah. And I was like, I have this backlog, which includes Bioshock Infinite DLC under the C1 and 2. I somehow never played it. Um, so before I upgrade to Catalina, I'm going to specifically ins install and play these games <laughs> because they're 32-bit only and I won't be able to play them otherwise. And um, so I did that and then I upgraded. So that was kind of funny. Um, but we lost some other kind of more ongoing stuff. Um, I don't know. Paladins, I think, is actually a very good game. But they were 32-bit only and they put out a post saying, sorry, we're just not going to update it and we're dropping Mac support. See ya. And a couple other games of some note, I think, did that. Um and of course, Farrell and Aspire's own catalogs were culled like kind of in half, and they put out some big posts and containing what those were. Of course, a lot of these were older games, but you know, some people like to play older games, so that's fine. Um, yeah, so we've kind of been hitting with, in terms of like raw possibility, I think we're at a more exciting time than ever before because of. I, there was a time when I did game journalism as my main thing for a few years, 2014, 2015. And I spent a lot of time with, talking with Feral and Aspire and all this stuff. We had at least one or two Feral people on the show before. I don't think I got an Aspire person on here, but I did interview them by text a few, you know, in articles a few times. And they both cited that one of the most difficult or possibly even the most difficult thing in porting isn't this technical stuff like APIs or whatever. It's that the average... Mac person has a very uh, low-spec machine, right? It's uncommon that they go out and buy the highest possible MacBook Pro or iMac loaded with the best GPU and the best RAM and the best, you know, processor and everything. Um, most of them had entry-level machines, so they're like, hey, we want to port Total War and Tomb Raider and Dirt 4 and whatever, I don't know, I can't think of the latest Call of Duty, blah, blah, blah. Of course, Aspire never ported the latest Call of Duty, but I'm trying to just give examples. Um, but they had to figure out a way to optimize those games to run on the lowest spec Mac machines because that's where most of their their user base was. And to me, that was a shock because as as a as a gamer, I'd always gone out of my way to buy a higher end machine, not always the highest. Although at a point I started working full time and then I could afford it, but maybe not everyone can do that for various reasons, or maybe they don't want to do that. Um, so I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, and in some cases, I recall, I don't forget the names of the games, but they cited like, oh, we actually would have liked to port X game, but we couldn't because we don't feel we could optimize it enough to run on low-end machines. The reason I'm rambling on about this is because the exciting possibility space is entry-level machines such as the M1 are now light years better than anything that came before it on in the Mac space, you know? Um, like an entry-level macbook intel macbook air versus an m1 macbook air is like not even close in terms of the games they can play you know these things uh shout out to mr macray aka stewie he does a lot of on youtube he does a lot of this i did some work with him for a while but minor self-plug but really him he does a lot of good work and he does it puts a ton of work into performance testing and he's done dozens and dozens of games on the m1 and comparisons and all this good stuff um very extensive list you can check him out for that but I helped record some of these games on my lower end M1. I mentioned it was the one without the extra GPU core, lower end RAM. And we found, um, basically it was just all, practically always being impressed. If there was an issue, it was mostly that it was something through Zeta may not run, like launch. But if it would work, it was like, holy moly, this thing can run, you know, Metro Exodus. This thing can run Borderlands 3, albeit at very low settings. Um, or companies like Larian have gone out of their way to optimize Baldur's Gate 3, now in early access, to run on an M1. Sure, it's running at like low-medium settings 30fps, but it's still running a AAA game, you know, on an entry-level machine, and it's running it okay. Now, 
again, this kind of goes back to what kind of gamer you are, right? If you're like, it's always got to be 1080p, ultra 60 FPS, well, okay. Mac gamers, I don't think, are used to that. (laughs) But the possibility space I mean is the entry-level machines are becoming so good, the future machines, you know, uh, I'm just imagining an M1 machine times 2 times 3 times 4, the performance of that, like, wow, we're getting somewhere very interesting. And I, I agree entirely. Um, it's If I were targeting higher-end games, I've made some small things that didn't require anything just for fun. But if I were trying to make a higher-end game, uh, and I knew that the majority of the market were sitting on Intel UHD 650 or 615 or whatever it was the uh, Intel MacBook Air had, you wouldn't even bother with that market. Like If 80% of that platform had UHD 615 or whatever that Intel GPU was, you knew you could never hit that, even if you tried, right? Um, yeah. So I, I can understand it when they say that that was the biggest limiting factor in, in not porting things. Yeah, and yeah, it's I, was, be painful. I was thinking back, I had some conversations with some, um, some older PC gamers, and they talked about when PC gaming, like, quote, died for a little while. Um, this would be like what is it the early 2000s sort of before steam but like kind of when physical media was dying out and a big reason they attributed that was that was around the time that uhd intel integrated graphics came out and not nothing against intel but previous to that your family pc had at least a low-end nvidia or ati or amd graphics card and you could run anything maybe it was a 20 fps maybe it was a 30 at all low, but you could run it. When that first gen Intel integrated stuff came out, you were running, people would expect to buy games. It'd run at like literally four FPS and be totally unplayable. Um, and that's when you saw kind of a huge market shift um, away from sort of normal people who wouldn't call themselves PC gamers, but they would, they just didn't buy games more on PC. They would, they moved to console. Um, right. This PC gaming obviously is live and well today. It's changed quite a bit. But um, there's sort of been a death of the entry-level family PC can run a game. And with Apple Silicon, it's really interesting because we're going back to that where I'm just looking up some numbers here. Like you're seeing stuff like Borderlands 3 that runs at 30 FPS. Um, what is it, Deus Ex? Uh, about 30 FPS as well. This is a tiny P medium-ish settings. Um, Metro Exodus, like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, all these games are playable on like a base MacBook Air or MacBook Pro, um, where previously that would require a 27-inch iMac or maybe a 15-inch MacBook Pro or a Mac Pro, which are much, much, much more expensive. And yeah. also market share-wise, just like fractions of the market Absolutely. share. Absolutely. That's what makes it neat. What would used to require like more of a, at least a medium entry or a medium level machine, medium to high level machine on Intel now is like, I mean, okay, you still have the, like the much higher level Intels um, with, you know, an eight or 16 gig graphics card and oodles of RAM and, and CPU. But in terms of like, yeah, pound for pound performance or, or like, let's say cost, like you can buy a MacBook Air for what, $900? Let's just say around a thousand, give or take. Versus like an a thousand dollar Intel for an M like a thousand dollar M one versus a thousand dollars spent on Intel like yeah not even close um, so that's why that possibility space is neat on the on the flip side not to be too discouraging but in the in the like in the actual space of now I think we're more or less at the worst time we've ever been in Mac gaming and I refer to that mostly in terms of just ports and releases you know aspires kind of a ghost at us so they got bought out by some company i forget which saber interactive or something yeah great for them probably but i mean i don't even know they don't even really like it's funny i just went to their website the other day which i do every now and then and even if you go to their more their main page of like about us and what we do and they're like here's the platforms we port to like mac isn't even first it's like the fifth or sixth one down like you have to scroll way down to see it they have a bunch of others up front first and i'm like Come on, guys. Max, you're starting. Shouldn't it be like, it's where you got started back in whatever, 04. Like, shouldn't you have that up front at least? Like, a little respect? Anyway, that kind of ticked me off. But Aspire's done a lot of great work for the Mac in the past. Whether they do or not continue anything in the future, who knows? But I'm still happy, you know. They've done a lot before, so good for them. Um, 
virtual programming's ghosted long ago, well before any sort of, you know, silicon change. I think the last thing they did was port, I don't know, they helped port The Witcher 2 back in like 20, I don't even know when, a long ass time ago. Um, and they put out some random racing game, not Dirt, it was called like Gravel, I want to th- say. And like, that was it. <laughs> so I don't know what they were doing. Um, Feral, we know. Cider, right? Virtual uh, not, uh, no, uh, I'll, I'll loop back to that in just a sec. Um, Feral has a, has promised Total War Warhammer 3, which I'm a huge fan of in general. Of course, that's not till the end of this year, and it may even bleed over into early 2022. So we know Feral's around, but they're kind of doing a lot of mobile stuff these days, iOS, Android, so we'll see what they get up to. Uh, Cider is very interesting. Um, that was a company called Transgaming that officially uh, used that. And funny enough, um, they had just announced, this was probably back 2015 or so, roughly. And they had just announced a their CIDR wrapper would be capable of utilizing DirectX 12. Or not, no, DirectX 11. Um, which, of course, previously it was only using DX9. Which, if you understand from PC gaming terms, is a pretty big deal. Basically, allowed them, it would allow them to port and use through Cider all kinds of much, just basically newer, better games rather than sort of somewhat older ones. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing. That's really cool. And then very shortly thereafter, NVIDIA bought them, just straight up bought the company. And I'm like, cool, they're going to like do more stuff or NVIDIA's getting into the Mac space. Like, that's wild. Um, when Cider was first announced, I don't know, way back, EA came in pretty big. They put out a whole bunch of their games at the time, Electronic Arts, EA, a bunch of racing stuff and this and that and Prince of Persia. and None of them ran very well up front. In fact, they ran horribly. But the tech became really good later. I mean, people, I mean, it's bootleg and I don't want to promote that, but people were taking the Cider wrapper and just throwing games in it like Skyrim and whatever. Okay, this is back in like 2012, 2011. And they were running flawlessly. No bugs, no crashes, no keyboard problems. So it means... They could have easily done it. It's just a matter of the licensing. And I've heard that before as well in talking to various developer, like, porting houses. Like, either a company has to approach them and say, hey, like, port a game and we'll pay you. Or they have to go out of their way to say, hey, we want to port your game, you know, Call of Duty or whatever. And they're like, all right, we'll pay up. And the licensing fees. And this is what, as far as I understand, why, like, I play a lot of FPS, why new Call of Duties never hit the Mac from Aspire, you know, they ported Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, Call of Duty Black Ops 1, and of course all the previous old World War 2 ones way back in the day. But it's like, okay, but this is like three or four years old, you know? How about a newer one? And apparently the licensing costs were just way too prohibitive from um, Activision, you know, or Activision Blizzard, if you will. Um, So it's not like Aspire didn't want to bring us like a newer, quote-unquote, better game. It's just that it would have they would have had to pay through the nose, and then we're talking about this smaller Mac market share. Like, clearly, wasn't worth it for them to try. Um, yeah, so that's all interesting. But as far as the, you know, we have a bit of past, we have a bit of now, we have an, we have sort of a draw now. Though, you know, we got Metro Exodus. Okay, it's a two-year-old game, but it's a really good game, um, phenomenal game actually. Anyone who's a fan of any sort of shooters, sort of this survival-y horror exploration shootery stuff should go check out Metro Exodus and hey, it'll run on an M1 machine. So um, even a lower end one. If speaking, I want to throw this in there and you guys are tech guys, so you might have more to say about this, but um, in doing testing with Mr. MacWright and another one of his guys, Chandler, I forget his first name. Sorry, Chandler. Um, Maybe that is his first name. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I had the lower end MacBook Air, kind of on purpose. Um, Mr. MacWright had a higher, actually, he had a MacBook Pro with the, you know, whatever, a core GPU. And then Chandler, he got a Mac Mini. I may have this slightly wrong. So if you guys are listening, I'm sorry. But I'm, but, it, but the point is, we each got three different machines with slightly different configs. I had the lower core GPU. Mr. MacWright got the regular core GPU. And the guy with the Mac Mini, I'm pretty sure, got the upgraded RAM, 16 gigs of RAM. So we had tested the same game across all three machines. And, this, you know, you can see this in his videos, Mr. MacWright's videos. Again, go check them out. Great stuff. Um, and we found, on average, there was something like a 3 to 5 FPS difference, which doesn't sound like much. But every now and then, they would jump up to more like 8 FPS difference. And, of course, if you're talking about going from, well, 30 FPS to, like, 
25 or 22, that's actually a big deal, right? Because it goes from like solid to being like, eh, this is a little subpar. So really, if you're like trying to do any like quote unquote serious gaming on an M1 machine, you should probably at least get the upgraded GPU and probably the RAM as well. It's just uh, you'll you'll squeeze some extra FPS out of it, which could lead to some better performance. If you're at that point, though, isn't it better to perhaps just wait until we see an M1X? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I mean, these machines came out like last November or something, right? So that's really more like, I guess that's something if we had started this podcast six months ago, it would be a little more relevant to say. Um, but yes, it's probably irresponsible to recommend you buy like a pimped out M1 machine now when perhaps in a few months we'll see new ones. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I figured I would mention the, uh, oops, excuse me, I hit my, uh, anyway, I hit my microphone. Um, there is a slight difference, but not as much a one as you'd think. And that's what, and again, maybe you guys can speak to this more, um, being more, more tech technical than I am. Like what I was surprised to find going into M1 is that my typical notions of GPU and RAM were sort of thrown out the window and at least compared to Intel, um, you know, I've answered a lot of questions before, whether on YouTube comments or in Mac discords and whatever, like, oh, I have this computer, can I run it? And I can usually just answer them because I have a good working knowledge of what X Intel machine is capable of. Then M1 came along and I'm like, well, I guess I have no idea now (laughs) because it's doing things in my mind it shouldn't be able to do with like that level of GPU, CPU, RAM. Um, so I found that very interesting. And is that just like a matter of optimization? Um, or what do you think? I mean, I mean, to an extent, it will be. Um, but I've seen some of Mr. MacRide's videos as well. And if you look at games that don't have explicit M1 support, they will run usually better on the M1 as well than they would on corresponding Intel hardware. Um, at least if we look at like wattage and price levels. Um, Corresponding in terms of hardware performance is, of course, a bit <laughs> variable, I guess. Um, but um, there's s- things to it about the... Um, so the GPU in M1 chips uh, is a tile-based deferred render. Now, that's a lot of words that might not mean anything to some folks. Um, but the, the efficiency advantage to that is that um, in terms of memory bandwidth, it'll be a lot less hungry. So when you attach it to system memory or unified memory or whatever you want to call it, um, it's it's not going to need as big of a pool of its own uh, VRAM speed, so to speak, to get it through right. It'll have some um, cache for really uh, close data locality on the GPU, but it won't need the same transfer rate on the larger assets as you might with uh, a classic um, immediate mode rendering GPU, uh, which is basically every other GPU you'd find in a laptop or desktop. So that's one huge advantage to the GPU system on M1, uh, because a lot of the time, especially on integrated graphics, you will be uh, bottlenecked by the memory transfer. Yeah, I, I, I grokked most of that. Uh, yeah, the unified memory thing, I believe, is what I thought was cool, but I didn't really know, like, when it was first announced, like, cool, but this will this be better? Will this be worse? The numbers are lower than I'm used to seeing from, like, quote-unquote higher-end Intel, you know? Um, and that's what, again, makes me so excited about the possibility space of what Apple's doing. Um, so uh, what do you think, Sam, in terms of, you know, what, we're halfway through 2021, Apple, the Silicon transition still going on, is it your impression or notion or hope, whatever you want to call it, that developers might take Macs more seriously for gaming because of these, you know, silicon performance improvements or, you know, in the next six to 12 months, basically, or near future? What do you think? Yeah, so I'm I'm really hoping that's the case. Like, so leading up to this point, like I might call, say, like, when did, I think they came out in November or something or September of 2020. Yeah. The month before the Apple Silicon stuff was revealed, that was probably like some of the worst um, times for Mac gaming, just because we had no future and the present seemed pretty lame. Um, but now that we have this sort of vision from Apple, so and by vision I mean 
the the 32-bit apocalypse is over um and it sucks that those games are gone but apple has transitioned to 64-bit um they've transitioned to metal OpenGL is pretty much gone i think um in newer os's um and they've transitioned or transitioning to apple silicon so basically they've set the board for this really compelling platform that that has this huge base but it also has basically a very modern framework that's not um being held back by some old legacy like apple in the back of the day was pretty bad for having a really ancient OpenGL version all that stuff's <laughs> yeah. gone now um we just have metal which performs pretty well i'm um, compared to like vulcan or directx 12. um so we'll we'll see we'll see how developers respond but it seems to me like it's a pretty attractive platform so i think it'll require apple to maybe put a little bit of uh, work in like I think they should hopefully go out and maybe try to attract some developers to the platform but once they can get one or two that can show some success I'm hoping that'll lead to a lot more right like more of a, a snowball effect um it's interesting you mentioned that um I had heard a rumor that someone was trying to rustle up someone being a porting company not the ones you might think of uh and in fact it was one I'd never heard of before but I, I can't name names um, someone's trying to wrestle up support from Apple to port Cyberpunk 2077. Not for an M1, but for next year to show off, like, you know, whatever, an M2 chip or something. Something that's like 32 or 64 core GPU, you know, by the time they get there. Um, but then there was all this backlash with the game over its, you know, unfinished state and bugs and this and that. And I think the idea was dropped. because, And then they, like, made some bad PR moves and it was just, like... And their stock dropped like 30, 40%, they meaning CD Projekt Red who put out the game. And the whole thing was just kind of a fiasco. I mean, the game sold like 12 million copies, so obviously it's financially successful. But like the public, uh, you know, like opinion or perception of the game, and it got yanked from like what the uh, the Sony store for being buggy. Like it was just, the whole thing was a mess and I think it was dropped. But it seems there is some effort there um, from some folks to try and... Uh, you know, garner support from Apple. I mean, Apple back in the day used to have game trailers all over their website and they'd feature like curated game guides and tips and tricks for new games. And, you know, there was a time that went on and then of course they dropped it and um, actually sold the Twitter handle and virtual programming bought it, like the Mac Gamer Twitter handle or Apple Gamer or something. I forget what it was. Random bit of trivia. Um, virtual programming bought the MacGamer.com domain and the Twitter handle. And proceeded to do nothing with it. GG. Um, I'm salty about this because I tried to buy it from them and they wouldn't let me. <laughs> a long nice time ago. Uh, the MacGamer.com domain primarily. Because obviously, who, you know, gets a great domain. Um, okay, but what's interesting here, um, we'll wrap this up in terms of this. But this, like I mentioned, this is an umbrella topic with a lot of interesting uh, subtopics or related topics we can save for future podcasts. But I was looking up something I was curious. So Mac market share is roughly 15, 16%, supposedly, if you can trust whatever, you know, surveys there are. And so I was thinking about that. Okay, we have, you know, 15%, let's just call it 15% to keep it even uh, of the market. And okay, so if you were to buy a Mac, like, how many of the top 100 games on Steam could you play? I'm aware there's other platforms in Steam. There's Epic and App Store or even non-DRM, like uh, gold, yeah, good old games, sorry. Um, but Steam is nonetheless roughly the gold standard. So I was like, how many of the top 100 games are Mac compatible? And I wasn't really sure. So I actually just went through last night and made a list. And somewhat to my surprise, it's actually 30 of them. And okay, 30%, 30 out of 100 may not sound like much, but I thought 15% of the market share, 30% of the top 100 games on Steam, not bad at all. Um, obviously, we might be missing some big stuff. Um, I don't know, Valorant or whatever, but, uh, you know, obviously there's evergreen stuff like Dota 2, CSGO, Rust, Stardew Valley, Unturned, Elder Scrolls Online, Don't Starve Together a lot. I mean, I think in the top 10, we have like four or five. We meaning Mac players. So, And then the list goes on. I mean, some of these are like, what do you call it? I think more like trendy things. Like, I don't know. There's like friggin' what's on here? Hollow Knight. I mean, I know it's a popular game, but I don't believe it's always in the top 100. Some of these come and go. 
Bloons TD6. I mean, I'm, I, that's definitely never always been there because I look at the top 100 stats like all the time. Um, there's some random new game that's basically like whatever new spinoff of Minecraft called Muck. Uh, literally called Muck, M-U-C-K. Um, <laughs> but then there's stuff that's just always here. I mean, maybe you, maybe you guys can explain to me why people love simulator games like Euro Truck Simulator 2, American Truck Simulator, and Farming Simulator 19. Uh, I don't get it, but people love them. I mean, I've played Euro Trucks in some hours, maybe 30. And mostly it's just because if I want to listen to a podcast, but I want to do something else while I do it, it's very chill just to drive a, a truck around. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I guess I do a fair amount of driving just in general for uh, some work things and some like family friend things. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to sit down and do like more driving, um, like simulated driving anyway. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, it's yeah. very much a game I only use while I do other stuff and not just on a right. podcast. Right. It's not like a gaming experience. Uh, of course, there's some you know hot new stuff on the list like Hades, um, more ever quote unquote evergreen stuff that's always around like Stellaris, City Skyline, uh, Civilization Five and Six, obviously. Um, new you know newish stuff. Crusader Kings Three came out. You know, shout out to who is it? Uh, Paradox Interactive, I believe. They always seem to put out Mac versions of their stuff. Um, Crusader Kings Three, uh, Borderlands Three, which the Steam version doesn't have a Mac. Um, whatever uh, version, which is weird. It's only on the Epic Store. I always hate when they do that. I mean, there's probably licensing or some other reason for it, but I, it's annoying when you know a game exists for macOS, and maybe you even bought the version of any given store, and then they don't have the Mac version. <laughs> yeah, there's a weird amount of that going on right now. For example, on the reverse, I just, okay, Epic has the Borderlands 3 Mac version. Um, Ported in-house by Gearbox, which is interesting. So I'm going to segue a little bit back for some history. Like, I should really... I've long planned a series like Mac Gaming History stuff. Um, of course, there's... What is it? I think Richard Moss did a whole book, like The Secret History of Mac Gaming. Uh, Kickstarter project. Very good. But it was it would be more almost like, I guess, to sound... Um, what's the word? Pompous. Uh, it would be like kind of my history of Mac Gaming. Um, but also with like fun details. So... Feral Interactive ported Borderlands 1 back in like 2012, I want to say, maybe earlier. No, no, no. I think it was like 2010 because Borderlands 1 was 2009 on PC. But the fun thing was it was the very first game ported to Mac using the Unreal Engine 3. That was a cool bit of trivia. But then, of course, they I actually got, um, what do you call it? Like an alpha copy mailed to me from the UK by them. Back, I was actually like doing that back then when it was my job and I had NDAs with them and all that fun stuff. Um, but I still have that CD. I saved it. I have a Borderlands 1 copy on disc from Feral. That's that's cool. But then Aspire, of course, later... And this is the weird thing about Mac gaming, right? We have all these different people and companies porting the games, which very rarely happens in the PC space. Like, wildly different developers make the same like version of the game. It does happen, but it's not that common. So we have like Borderlands 1 ported by Feral, Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel ported by Aspire Media, then Borderlands 3 was just done in-house by Gearbox. <laughs> so it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, different yeah. stuff going on there. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting because while I, I love Feral and I love what Aspire did with Mac releases in the past, and I don't know if they're going to continue with that as you've suggested or said that about their um, website and all that, but... I love all those porting companies, um, but I kind of want a future where more Mac games will be done in-house, and I kind of expect that to be the case as well. Um, because at least if we look at more indie titles, uh, a lot of those are just done in-house. And I mean, of course, they also don't have the resource to go and say, hey, uh, Feral, will you make this for us or whatever, a lot of the right. time. Probably. Um, but, but I think it's... It's often possible uh, to do without too much fuss um, when the engines have Mac support, right? And Unity has Mac support natively. Unreal has Mac support natively. Um, I, I can't think of other big engines right now, but a lot of them do, right? Um, yes. So it's probably not going to be too much effort if a lot of developers just want to do their own Mac versions. Yeah, that's my hope as well. And like talking of Asper a little bit, I think 
I think they're gone in terms of like a Mac porting house. So like they've, it's been funny because I, I listen to a lot of other gaming podcasts with other platforms as well. And they, I keep hearing Aspire get brought up and I've, I've known of Aspire for, I think most Mac people have heard of them for decades, but outside of Mac gaming, they have never been mentioned ever until right. very recently. So they recently got bought by Saber Interactive, who's like this massive gaming conglomerate who kind of um, is rising from the ashes of THQ, which is a big publisher that went bankrupt a couple of years ago. So their own, so Saber Interactive also owns like 4A Games, who did Metro, um, and they own a ton of studios. And the recent rumors is that they're porting the new, uh, was it Jedi Knight game? Or not Jedi Knight. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I'm totally blanking on I know exactly what you mean. You know, you're the new Padawan oh. kid running around doing adventure things. It's like the um, Star Wars RPG. Why am I blanking on the name? Yeah, I want to say Outcast. That's obviously wrong. It's like... They okay, did. now I got to look it up. Fallen uh, Something Order? Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Right? That's the, so that's Jedi Fallen Order. I think that that's an EA game. But yeah, by Respawn. But they um they Aspire ported to iOS. Um, people. Oh, you mean Knights of the Old Republic? Yeah, mean sorry. Of the Republic. I was oh, sorry. Not like Fallen right now. <laughs> listening to me. I was like, Fallen. holy crap! How they port Fallen Order to iOS? <laughs> um. So the, the rumor is they're they're doing a new Knights of the Republic. Um, right. Yeah. That, that's pretty yeah. like credential. Like that seems to be a done deal. So I think they're gone, which is good for them. They got. I'm sure they got a ton of money. Um. They kind of made their they're uh they grew up on mac and now they're sort of hitting the big yeah leagues, i mean but... i don't want to throw a spiral i may sound bitter um because i am like in one sense mad at them but also grateful for what they've done yeah. um and it's possible it's true actually if you look at um aspire is hiring for all sorts of game developer positions mm-hmm. i don't even know if it's on their website it might be one of those like it might be somewhere else but i recall seeing a whole bunch of job listings somewhere you know like yeah. ai developer and level designer and blah blah all that stuff um of course it would be cool we just mentioned we should wrap this up but we'll end shortly um yeah i mean we saw borderlands 3 pretty big deal ported in house we saw metro exodus ported in house so if you know uh older title but still really great dying light ported in house now these all took some time metro exodus two years later i think dying light was like a year later borderlands 3 took them like two or three months so that was fairly quick um which also leads me to the question, okay, we have Dying Light 2 coming out this November, or December, December, sorry, for PC and console, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, sometime 2022, maybe we'll see a Mac version, that'd be cool. Uh, next year, we're getting a Borderlands game spinoff, Wonderlands, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, like, will they port that in-house? We don't really know, so it's like, for me, the biggest thing right now in the current state of Mac gaming is the uncertainty. The future is really has like a very promising foundation, like you were talking about, Sam. Apple's built this great platform, or Apple almost is the platform now rather than Mac in a sense, or at least it's um, moving in that direction. Um, so it's just more a matter of not knowing. Like you're a console gamer, you just you know stuff's coming down the pipe. You're a PC gamer, you just know stuff's pretty much other than the few, you know, console exclusives you know i think those are stupid but whatever um more or less pretty much everything comes to pc even then it seems like a year later they port like the big exclusives over anyway like crap i can blanking on names right now i usually keep up on this stuff even sony's been starting to port their uh, games yeah, like over to pc and they're just like the places. yes thank you that was the one i was thinking of um yeah all that stuff so it's like you know, will the Mac ever achieve true parity? I doubt it, but will it, like, get more, like, kind of back more in, you could say, the heyday of Mac gaming, where we got lots of big releases all the time? It's not impossible. No one can say it's impossible. You might be able to say it's not likely, but I still think it's very possible, and we're moving in an enticing direction, like Casper and both you, Sam, were talking about earlier. Like, it's possibly easier, it's more attractive the the hardware is becoming more attractive and oh let's end on this because this is cool i just found this somewhere i don't know, remember where it was could have been reddit or a discord mr macred has a discord filled with kind of random stuff but anyway not criticizing a discord it's just true um it was a, a website i'm actually not familiar with called tom's guide uh this was five days ago maybe six days ago and it was something about 
award, technological awards for 2021. And there's this and that, but included is the M1 chip. M, uh, sorry, the M1 chip. And very specifically, they seem to have gotten a quote from Apple. Um, so I'm going to end with this. Uh, bup, 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 bup. So who's this fellow? It's his name is Bob Borchers, VP, Worldwide Product Marketing for Apple. Um, Apple sees big things ahead for Apple Silicon, both in terms of achieving new designs and perhaps appealing to the most demanding audience of all, gamers. After all, many of the engineers building Apple's chips are gamers themselves. This is just the author article writing. Then this is in quotes. So someone from Apple, I think it's this Bob guy. No, it's someone named Millet. Sorry, I don't know who that is. Someone from Apple, though. And I quote, Of course, you can imagine the pride of some of the GPU folks and imagining, hey, wouldn't it be great if it hits a broader set of those really intense gamers, said Millet. It's a natural place for us to be looking to be working closely with our metal team and our developer team. We love the challenge. End quote. That's so, really promising. yes, I actually thought this whole discussion would be a lot more of a downer in my mind, perhaps I think because I was down, but then the more I thought about it and talked about it, I realized there's actually all this really exciting stuff. So this was not even a week ago, some sort of quote from some Apple guys from Tom's Guide. Sorry, I don't know who Tom's Guide is, but it's something notable, I guess, so they wouldn't be able to get quotes from Apple. I certainly can't get quotes from Apple, though it'd be cool if one day we could. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's very promising. Apple themselves are, you know, seems to be circling back around like, oh, hey, like, of course, this is something perhaps we can talk about on the next podcast, but like, okay, but what kind of gaming? Are we talking Apple Arcade or no? They did say intense games, which doesn't mean Apple Arcade and iOS and whatever. It means higher end stuff. Um, so that's it for me, gents. Any final thoughts you want to drop, Casper? Well, not particularly. It's been uh, fun. <laughs> it has been fun. Um, Sam, anything from you? Yeah, it's everything for me. Thanks for the uh, first episode, guys. It was fun. Yeah, this was fun. We'll have more for you next time. We have a bunch of potential topics, which, well, okay, I didn't tell you that yet, but I went tried to go to bed last night, and then my brain went into overdrive, and I wrote down like 10 different things we could talk about. So <laughs> there's sure always something, yeah, there's always something to talk about. You guys will have your own ideas and, uh, any listeners out there, you can always drop a comment if you want to request a topic to be discussed or some sort of questions answered is always fun as well. So thank you very much, gents. It's uh, been a lot of fun and we'll catch you next time. This is where you say like bye and stuff. Okay. <laughs> For the recording. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on the web at www.macgamecast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with more exciting news, topics, and Mac gaming discussion.